Welcome to the Texas Law Dog Podcast. Join us as we venture into a behind-the-scenes look at the nitty-gritty of the Texas criminal justice system and offer politically incorrect takes on all things news and politics around the world. The Texas Law Dog identifies as an entertainment comedy podcast run by an LLC slash dog hybrid corporation, protected by Citizens United, and is definitely not a legal podcast hosted by an actual human being. By listening to this comedy podcast, you agree to the following. Content provided on this podcast and or wherever else found is for information comedic purposes only. Any consumer of said content implicitly agrees to never construe any and all content as any form of direct or indirect legal advice. Only as informational, sarcastic, and comedic constitutionally protected speech and expression. Some information may be factual. All guests who have agreed to use their real names and likenesses do not endorse, support, or approve of any of the content or material contained in this show outside of their own statements and opinions in their respective interviews. All views and opinions expressed by the Texas Law Dog reflect the opinions of Texas Law Dog LLC, an entertainment company formed and operated under Texas law. And all content should be construed only as sarcastic comedic jokes, should not be taken literally, should be ignored, and should never be construed as formal or informal legal advice by a practicing or disbarred attorney in any United State. Episode 18, welcome back, Law Pups. I want to jump into the interview. First off, I need to tell you guys, last night, as fate would have it, my guest this week was the opposing team's captain in the final match of our bowling league. Bo leads their team, I lead mine, the Funky Fingers. And it was one of the most debaucherous displays of sportsmanship I've ever seen. I cut a nice promo video with Bo to hype up the podcast. And then immediately after that was over, he decided to go and get my team absolutely completely blacked the fuck out. Uh, I didn't see, there were, as at no point where trays of shots were not coming. And this was the, we were the last game. This was a battle for ninth place. And this was the two teams we, faced each other in championship last year they beat us by one so we were on sort of a revenge tour and fuck we uh lost the first game their handicap is so fucking high they're sandbagging sons of bitches they'll admit it too but i fucking love them they uh added an entirely new element of exciting uh fun to the league and I decided to go ahead and give my team a call get their thoughts on the evening so that you guys have a good idea it was a cockfight that went down in history we ended up squeezing out a victory five points out of seven so suck it Bo. on the other end of his interview corporate coyote comes in to apologize and i brought him into hr we we talk about tiger loose in houston dr fauci is about to be sprung to a wall governor abbott's an idiot republicans are morons and everyone's lost their minds so enjoy that half hour conversation after the interview with Bo. Hey, uh, you're on the Texas Law Dog podcast. I need a quick comment about um, what transpired with Bo. Oh, I'm, I won 20 bucks off. You know, came down the wire. We, uh, you know, came out on top. But you know, coming out on top against those guys, uh, you know, depends what you're looking for. It's win-win for them. <laughs> we we beat we beat them. 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm still hungover. It's, it's, it's been a long time since I've been this bad. Fuck you, Bo. Fuck you, Bo. Hello, am I in legal trouble? You might be. I'm calling for a comment on uh, last night. The law dog is trying to get to the bottom of, you know, basically what was a World Series atmosphere. And um, just wanted your thoughts on what you thought of Bo. He's our guest on this episode. Last night, he got us all blacked out. I mean, not me, but all y'all. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is true. Well, what'd you think of him? Like, our, the team we played. What'd uh, you, like, the sloppy bull job. Oh, I mean, they're fine. They're good dudes. Yeah, they're uh, they're an energetic bunch of dudes that uh, like to have a good time and drink a lot. <laughs> How many shots did he buy you? Uh, five, maybe? Five? I don't remember. Think- yeah, I don't remember, I don't remember what it was the one. How'd you think I did as captain? Oh, terrible. Thank you. Hello? My guest. What's up, man? I, uh, before I play your interview, I need to set him up. I'm going to talk about what happened last night. I needed your official comment before I... Dude, are you thinking of someone else? Oh, fuck! Who is this? (laughs) I meant to call my buddy Bo Broach. No, I was going to say. Bo! I hadn't heard from you in a long time, so I was like, oh, gosh. Fuck, man, I'm so sorry. Hey. I want you to know, before I called you, I called the wrong Bo in my phone. Oh, yeah? Some guy I hadn't talked to in years. <laughs> he can't spell it with an X. <laughs> he didn't have the same last name. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I see what you're saying. He doesn't, um, and so that was my fault. And I also didn't have mm-hmm. you, you. Also, I didn't have you with an X in my phone. Ah, we'll see. So last night you tried to get my entire team blacked out to win. I don't know what you're talking about. Paul said you bought him five shots. I got one shot for Paul. And then they got a shot, and then we got a shot, and then we might have got another shot. So, and then you accused us of cheating because Lewis bowled on the wrong lane. Y'all did cheat. <laughs> How is that cheating? It was his fault. He bowled on the wrong lane. Y'all did cheat. That's cheating? I don't know. Why not? All right, everybody. It's episode 18 of the Texas Law Dog Podcast. I am joined today by an extremely special guest all the way from the Glory Bowls. (laughs) <laughs> sloppy bowl jobs <laughs> is mr Bo broach welcome onto the show Bo. thank you thanks for being here i uh i can't um thank you enough for number one venturing out and doing something like this this is my first podcast ever how does it feel i'm sweating <laughs> <laughs> so uh if for people that don't know you Bo. um I met you on our our bowling league. Yes. And uh, what the team? What's your team name? So our team name is Sloppy Bowl Jobs. <laughs> it's very PC. <laughs> yes. I uh, the second y'all joined the league, um, it got better. <laughs> <laughs> we were a little nervous because you know it's ten gay guys coming to play in a very straight <laughs> older crowd. Yeah. So, what were like your initial impressions of of the league? Like, what was your first impression of me? <laughs> you know, 
we actually clicked with y'all's team the best because, well, all we had to do was feed alcohol to y'all and then we'd end up winning, so. It's the degenerates. <laughs> <laughs> then you did end up winning. Y'all beat us in the championship last year. By one point. Yep. Yep, yep. That was a uh, soul-crushing loss for us, but I'm glad that... Uh, it, Not for us. It felt know, great. I, br- I brought you back for the next season. That's why we gave it to y'all. <laughs> and now we're in last place. <laughs> From first to last. You know, it's like the it's the champion's regression year. <laughs> <laughs> also, you guys just get fucked up every week. We, uh, we, we hold our own. <laughs> yes, you do. All It's just you guys showing up with platter after platter of shots. And they stopped doing fireball specials because of us. You're hitting on the bottom line. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, yeah, man. So, like, bowling, it was it was so interesting. I was so happy when you guys joined because our league, honestly, it kind of needed y'all. Um, it was – I've been bowling since, like, fall of 20 – I quit drinking, like, a month after I started bowling. I had to <laughs> be like tough. A huge, like, terrible mistake of judgment. But, <laughs> um, it's, it's funny because I've – I still go every week. I'm the captain of the team, and, like, I have to – I watch them all get fucked up. It gets me drunk now watching people get drunk every yeah. week. But um, mostly, like, I just enjoyed that y'all were different. Like, y'all uh, brought in, like, a new energy to the league that we haven't had. And it's, like, y'all get into it and get really competitive. And, like, it's it's generally pretty chill. Like, I'd say that the, 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 the makeup of the league is... <laughs> interesting it is interesting it's a it's a very diverse it's like half old washed up softball players (laughs) that are you know back for whatever activity they can still do and then the other half of like it's like the salt of the earth types Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and then you have the people who haven't you know cut their hair in 30 years (laughs) lots of (laughs) photos Mainly on the guys. That was me. <laughs> Fabio. Oh. I, I was one of those people for a while there during the quarantine. Yeah, you can definitely tell when we're on, when we're playing because we're definitely the, the loud group. Although I think everybody when we play likes playing with us for the most part. Oh, yeah. I mean, y'all, I'm excited to play you guys every time we get y'all just because I know it's going to be a good night. Yeah. And like everyone's pretty nice and like everyone roots for each other. And I think that that it's like a healthy competitiveness. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But, um, anyway, it led me to meeting you. And, uh, basically I just wanted to kind of get to know you. Um, so this podcast is like, you know, it started out where I was a lawyer, but, uh, I was lying to everyone. I am actually just a comedian. Who <laughs> and, uh, that is the bit. And so I wanted to, but also I, I enjoy the legal field. So I enjoy getting into the nitty gritty of stuff, you know? Well, in criminal law, I'm sure there's a lot of punchlines you can, you <sighs> the can jokes use. just write themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, you know, I, I, I never I got to, I never even got to be a lawyer. I had one semester of law school, I dropped out, and so now I'm just doing this podcast. You know, trying to you know get the make ends meet. Exactly. You know, if they shut they shut me um, they shut me down from just going to the courtroom, so I could could I could go cover all of this. So now I'm just gonna comment on it as a comedian. <laughs> so I I wanted to first get into who are you, where'd you come from, and what do you do? Okay, so I'm originally from Arkansas. What part? Southeast Arkansas, population 1,000. It's called Hampton, Arkansas. Um, so I, my family grew up there, and then when I was about 10 years old, we moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 
which was a very big culture shock. How so? Um, I had never heard of a Jewish person. <laughs> so... Oh, it got way more diverse for you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and then, you know, I can remember my first day of fifth grade, the kid sitting next to me had a turban on, and I had never seen one before. So I just thought, oh, my God, he must, you know, come from a different country or something. And then he turns, and he's, you know, he looks at me and goes, hey, my name is so-and-so. And I go, oh, you speak English? I was shocked. I had just had no idea. Sure, so, sure. Culture shock. But... It changed my life because, you know, Arkansas is great, but doesn't provide for a lot of opportunities, especially in education. So went to when I was in Florida, I got a really a much better education. Graduated high school there, then went to New York University, where I did my undergrad. Actually, and I majored in broadcast journalism. Really? Yep. So my at, goal at NYU. At NYU, so my goal was to be. A news broadcaster, graduated, refused to leave New York City, and you really can't start your career in broadcasting in New York City. You kind of end your career there. Sure. So uh, right out of college, I went into print journalism. And, um, oh, the dying business, huh? And it's dying, and I hate What writing. year was that? 2006. Okay, so it was sort of it was back when there was some news left. Some news. It was a it was a very small print publication that I worked for in New York. In New York, what was it called? Um, the licensing letter. Ooh. So what did you get to write about there? Licensing news. <laughs> what does that mean? Like we wrote when Pepsi signs Shakira, or oh, when so you're Disney license. when Disney allows somebody to make their toys. The and press releases. Yeah, things like that. Not really press releases. Mainly the inside business scoop on who's on who's doing what within the licensing industry, which ah. is a huge industry you didn't even know anything about. Royalties, um, you mean? Hmm? That, like royalties. Well, and, more like or copyright. No, it's more like just deals. So, you know, like every single thing that you buy is, you know, it's made, you know, it like in China. Well, it's made in China, but, you know, everything that, you know, you buy, like, you know, if you, anything that Avengers makes, you know, they license all their toys out, they do all that, you know. So, any of that stuff is the kind of the business that we did, which was incredibly boring. Sure. And I hate writing. <laughs> right. So then I decided to go to law school. Decided to become a lawyer. <laughs> Which is even more writing. <laughs> yeah, and reading. Uh, and reading. Um, I actually haven't read a book since law school. Now. It's so just... when did you... So wait, so you're working in New York, and you're like, you're miserable with this copywriting firm, and you're just, or this, you know, whatever, and you're like, what am I going to do? I got to shake it up? So when I was in college, I got spoiled. When I was in college, I was bartending at a gay bar. Um in New so, York. In New York City. What was that like? It was great. Good you know. money. <laughs> That's why I got spoiled because, you know, working at a very popular gay bar and I'm making $2,000 a week and that's in like, college. That's stripper money. In college. <laughs> yeah. Did not take my shirt off. <laughs> but in college. That's an so, added bonus. So then, so then <laughs> you know, I graduate college. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a real For job. out there, Bo's a very attractive man. <laughs> staring into his eyes right now. Whatever. So was making so much money bartending, and then I get my real job, and it goes from 2000 a week to 
a thousand a month, you know, like thirty five thousand dollars. Your real job isn't yeah. actually paying, you know. What, so yeah. So anyway, I did welcome to real life. <laughs> reality check. Yeah. Um, so I did that. Uh, the licensing letter for three or four years. Um, so you're like 25, you're in New York, you're working at a bar, and you're like, fuck this. I'm 21 gonna... at the bar, 25 when oh, I... Oh, so when did you quit the bar? 20... 23, I guess, 24. Okay. Whenever I graduated college, and then I got my the first job, and and so I think about... So I did the license letter for a couple years, and then just needed to make more money. So I went into property management mm-hmm. in New York. And I basically became the mayor of a luxury high-rise building. I watched Million Dollar Listing New York. (laughs) Well, so what, you know, basically, you know, we had 50 floors and we rented, you know, you rent out that. And, you know, you have like 2,000, 3,000 people living in a building. And it's really, you're like a little mayor because everybody comes to you. So you were the guy in charge of that. Yeah. So like explain that. I mean, that was, that must have been cool. You know, it's, it's. You learn a lot about people and New Yorkers. You have people who have been living there for 20 years. You have people who are just there transient, and you see a little bit of everything. So, which build? Like, were you in like a, a popular building, like primo real estate? Uh, we were in um, Hell's Kitchen area, so 43rd and 10th. So, it's rel- relatively popular area. Our rent went from 2,200 a month for a studio to 8,000 for a. <laughs> You know, for a two-bedroom penthouse. Did you live in this building? Mm-hmm. Oh, was that part of your package? That deal? was part of my package. So, <laughs> at eight, give you a little government subsidized yeah, housing. Yeah. So at eight, yeah, I had a I had a penthouse apartment on Forty Third Street for about four years, which was <laughs> at twenty four. Yeah, which is incredibly. <laughs> How many guys enjoyed that? Oh, it's like you know we at, you know we had parties all the time up there, so it was uh, real nice. Yeah, well, it was actually uh, like eyes wide shut parties. <laughs> no, I wasn't that adventurous. However, in our building, I don't know if you know too much about. 90s New York real estate. 90s New York. I, not I really. know Donald Trump, you know, was part of it. Well, not really real estate, but um, there was a movie that came out with Macaulay Culkin called Party Monster. Oh, I haven't seen that. So, um, seen ba- Home Alone, obviously. So basically, in the 90s, there was um, a big nightclub called the Roxy, and everybody went there, and you know, everybody does these party drugs, you know, ecstasy and all of that, and so one night this guy and his boyfriend get on a drug binge and you're talking to a recovering drug addict bo it's okay right they get on this drug binge and the one guy ends up murdering his boyfriend in in the club no in his apartment they're on these drugs they're like and he ends up murdering the guy in his apartment and Wait, in your high-rise? In my high-rise. <laughs> oh, God. And um, actually dismembers his body and puts it in a suitcase. Oh, and then like has, real, like, yeah, it's like Patrick crazy, Bateman, like, crazy American story. Psycho type shit. And then, and then he calls up our doorman to come take his luggage down to the taxi, and the guy picks up, takes the, <laughs> what the guy. A, what a perfect crime. Right? And then dumps him in the Hudson. Holy shit. So that was like your... My building's... Claim to fame. <laughs> it's 
so, oh man, that's awesome. So wait, were you a witness in that? That was in the 90s. Way. Oh, okay. So that was your building's claim to fame. Yeah, my Got building's it. claim to oh, fame. So that already had like the nostalgia. Yeah. Okay. So then every time I got so to- you would sell people on that story. Every time I got to- You're sh- like, oh, this is the place where, you you know, a guy got chopped up and put in a suitcase. You can you can own this beautiful piece yeah. of real estate. And then, one, and then once once I got to uh, sell, rent it out, you know, so I, I actually said, you know, this is the actual- Just use a lot of bleach. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, so oh, they were they wouldn't ask about like the fresh paint. No. Okay, so then you go to New York and you're how do you end up in New Orleans for law school? So doing that job for a couple years and um my mom over Easter break was kind of like do you love what you're doing? No. What do you mean? That what you just told me sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, but you know, you know, do you love it? You know, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's it's sure. fine. Um, are you making what you want to be making at this age? And I'm like, no. And he goes, so then why why don't you go back to school? Why don't you go to law school? And I didn't have a good reason to say no. Well, you didn't like writing. Well, but at this point, you know, you're like, whatever, fuck it. So I decided I'd try it, and and did uh, but so it you moved from New York to New Orleans what was that transition like it was it was easier yeah um I wasn't used to not having like a nightlife to go to I mean New Orleans you have Bourbon Street right but you can't do Bourbon Street every night you know so no, I mean the real tourists don't go to Bourbon yeah <laughs> although most of the gay bars are actually on Bourbon so well they're on the north side of it right the better side yeah 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 I've partied down there God of course you have I uh I have I want to get into this actually because I, um, before we go back like into law and career, I guess I just wanted to get a feel because like you are gay, you're a gay lawyer, yes, that doesn't practice law right now. So I yeah I am licensed, uh, but I do not practice it at my current job. Right, which is what. So I'm a real estate right away advisor for the company. Got it. So that is, it's sort of like a, you use legal skills, but it's not, an, it's not practical. So, yeah. So when I first started, it was a requirement to have your JD oh, wow. for the job. Okay. So for anyone that's not familiar, Bo works for like a big, uh, just oil and gas company, just so everyone's aware. Yeah. So it was a requirement to have a JD for the job. Because, really? Because all we do, I mean. Was this your first job out of school? Mm-hmm. First oh, wow. one. So how long have you been here? Seven years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was my. So I, I skipped the the actual lawyer part, <laughs> yeah. which I really enjoyed. Congratulations, I really, by the way. It I sucks. really enjoyed the trial stuff, and that's what that was my forte in in school. But this was, you know, when I graduated, the jobs were bleak. Oh so yeah. Well, when was that? Twenty two. Twenty. 13, 20. So, yeah, you're right in the middle of the recession. Yeah, so I just took first thing that came to me. And sure. This was a good opportunity. Good. Well, so would you ever go back, you think, to the courtroom? <laughs> if you ever – I mean, would you ever go there in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would – it would help my career, I think, if I wanted to stay in law. Yeah. To have some actual uh, law firm experience. But I don't know if it would be a great fit for, you know, 
more than a year. I could probably do it for a year. And I would, you know, I, I like that stuff and I like the transactional work and I like, uh, you know, dealing with people and redlining and all that kind of stuff. That that's that's fine, but I don't like billing. Well, no, it's corporate. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like billing, and I like my seven thirty to three thirty. Exactly right. You know, it's it's. I feel like, for me anyway, I I was like you. I was kind of on the fence of which way I wanted to go, and um, you know, when you when you're when you're not making the grades you thought you were going to do, like first year of law school, and you don't mm-hmm. get those big law summer internships, like that just goes away. So everyone goes to school thinking that's going to be them. And then it turns out only 10% of the people end up getting those jobs, you know, where you're getting 200 grand right off the bat and you're, but you're working like dog, you know, I've had a lot of friends that went that way and they made a ton of money, but they ended up leaving usually after a couple of years because they couldn't handle the burn out. Yeah. You know, uh, so before I, before I decided to go to, to law school in New Orleans, my lawyer friends who I'd already had in New York, they're like, if you go down there, you're going to end up getting a job in that area. And I said, no, I'll just come back and get a job up here. And it's not the case because your law school has the most pull and the most reach in mm. the area. Regional ties. Yeah. yeah. Unless, unless it's you, the top 14. Yeah, unless right. you're going to like a big, a big school. Yale, Harvard, Stanford, you know, Columbia – it's yeah. like outside of those, you know, you're pretty much relegated to the area that you go. Yeah, you know, and I did get I did get one of the big New Orleans law firms summer clerking jobs, but you know, the, at that time they were, you know, they weren't even hired. You, they they might have hired four. Yeah, their their crop of associates went from like 25 a yeah. year to like four. Yeah, so now your now your opportunity to even get into a big law firm even if you're in the top 10% is still practically nil right unless you know know someone and then even like once you get there you have to slave for them for at least seven eight years and bring your own book and your own client if you ever want to make partner you know and that's what a lot of these young lawyers don't really understand is that the politics of big firm is more about money oh yeah so i'm glad i like it would have been nice to have a couple years because i think i would have been able to use that to my advantage in in the corporate world but I'm so I'll still try to get over there at some point. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's no rush, and like if you've got a good setup, you know, you don't kill whatever's working for you, right? <laughs> I now if an opportunity comes along, I'll definitely take it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. What about the Texas Law Dog podcast? Clearly, <laughs> want to be general counsel. number one choice. <laughs> okay, I want to get into being gay. Okay, can we do that? Sure. Because I like for my whole life, like I'll be very honest. You know, growing up in the South, it's from my experience, like the word faggot was thrown around a lot, uh-huh. even just even through up into my 20s. You know, it was like a very it was a word that I didn't really understand. And I didn't have any like here's the problem, I think, with me is I grew up in a mostly white suburban neighborhood that, you know, I went to public school through eighth grade. And I think so I went to school with minorities and other people that weren't white and, you know, well-to-do. And then I went to a private high school and my whole life kind of changed because my entire friend group changed. And these are all people now that have been raised in the church and that have been taught different things than what I have, you know? So I was going into this new environment and there weren't any openly gay people in my high school at all when I was there because it was like 
2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. I mean, homosexuality was was like illegal <laughs> up until Lawrence v. Texas in 2005, you know, sodomy or whatever. Like that, it's incredible to me the amount of just complete ignorance that we have given this entire topic, you know, up until now, thank God. Because for me, it, it was like I had to undo all of those preconceived, you know, ideas I had about gay people from what I learned from family or older people growing up which were wrong and ignorant ideas. And so, like, I guess one thing that I probably have some conservative listeners, right? So I'm just trying to get to the bottom of, like, are we ever going to just move past this issue so that there's not even need for you to be a gay lawyer anymore? You're a lawyer who happens to be gay, you know? And I think that that is sort of a big... It's something that isn't really talked about because it's, like... We have so many other issues buzzing around us all the time, you know? And I feel like that some people are just like, oh, no, gays won, whatever, on to the next thing. And I think that that's very disingenuous to the entire movement because it took a lot of bravery and a lot of work from a lot of people to get y'all on equal footing with straight people, right? You know, so uh, what, what I say a lot of times is, you know, A, we live in Texas. So even though we live in Houston, which is pretty, um, you know, democratic and, you know, large and diverse, the surrounding area is very conservative. And the industry that I work in is a very conservative ind- industry. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you've been out for five days or 15 years or 20 years, uh, whenever you go to your work, you have to make a conscious choice with every person that you meet, whether you um, let them in and and let them acknowledge who you are, you know, as a person, or if you put up a barrier because you don't know uh, how they're going to act, how they're going to react. Right. So uh, it's still very real and still very prevalent, especially, um, especially now, even though we do have a, we've made a, a ton of success, but we've also had some setbacks and we're getting more setbacks now. And, um, but we're still making strides specifically what I've done. Um, so I joined this company seven years ago and this company never had a gay employee resource group. And within my first year, we formed one. And I wasn't a part of the initial conversations, but I became a part of the first, I was the first leader of the group. And we've taken that and we've turned it into, you know, we started out with like 15 employees and we've turned it into over 400 from members. That you started? That, yeah, that we were a part of starting from 15 people who were in a group to now over 400 including gays, straights, and then, you know, allies and everything like sure. that. And, and we put a light on to an area that needed to have some representation in the company. And the company started to uh, see that. And, you know, then, then the company, we're slow, to re- we're slow to react, but once we start reacting, we, act, we react in a positive way. So they've, you know, the company has done a lot of strides in their diversity and inclusion and, and working with 
people in HR and things like that, we've we've taken the company's HRC human rights campaign. You know, they they rate every company, and when when I first started, we ranked we ranked it like 60 percent of you know of companies who were you know had a positive influence in the gay company now and we went from a 60 and now as of last year we made it to 100 really so we went from 60 to 100 in you know five years but that's because of you well no it's because of everybody who you know yeah but joined on the joined on the bandwagon the fact that you wanted to do something though immediately is awesome because like if you hadn't done that you might not be at 100 yeah last year we flew we uh Turned on the lights in the building, rainbow for pride. So you know we've made a lot of strides. Good. So, um, but but kind of getting back to the main point of what you're saying is, you, do I see that it's going to change? Yes. Will it change as fast as we want? I think it. I think part of the pushback that you see nowadays is because it started to change a little too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know. Our kids, and even you know the teens now, they're more they're they're more of the eyes that it doesn't even matter. Agreed. I but, think it's just going to take generations to, to yeah. fully. Because look, everyone that's over the age of probably forty five already has their mind made up. You know, yeah. Like they, it's just for something. But I've also seen older people evolve as well. So it's it's like I'm not just counting out people from evolving in their like uh i guess not wokeness but just the ability to see oh these people are people too they should deserve the same rights and the same protections as us and that is the biggest one you know what i mean wherein the fight from the right back in the day was always uh because i remember my high school right like texas came out uh, had a law that came out in like 2006 that was like supposed to try and get gay marriage like off Mm -hmm. or whatever and our high school, like, militarized to go vote for it. Mm-hmm. And that made me really sad. Like, just looking back on that, like, I, not even, I didn't even comprehend it back then, right? But I was just like, the groupthink behind trying to keep a group of people who just want the same rights, you know, like, the concerted effort to oppose that has... I've found, at least for people under the age of 40, to really go down, where it's not as combative anymore. You know what I mean? Like, that, the, the work was necessary to push people into a place of acceptance. Yeah, I, will, I agree with you 100% on that. I think that, you know, people under 40, I don't, I don't think for the most part, I mean, yeah, you're going to have your... Where you grow up and your you're straight influence. homophobic. Yeah, you're gonna East have Texas, that. Like, you're gonna have yeah. that wherever you go, right? Sure. But I think that the majority of Americans or people would say, you know, I don't really care one way or another. Um, that's because for most of our lives, or at least for the last twenty plus years, twenty five plus years, you know, we've, you know, it's become more. You've had to put it in their faces. Mainstream. You've had to. Yeah. Like, that's the only way it was going to work was to be a vocal dissent. Because, yeah. like, the, the people that are like, oh, where's the straight pride parades? I'm like, they're all on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need to march for justice. They already have it. You yeah. know what I mean? And so, like, when you've got a movement, just when there's laws on the book saying you can't have sexual relations with someone from the same sex up until 2005, I mean... 
what kind of world are we living in, right? right. And like why, uh, and the same with the, you know, this can be said for gender gap, the pay gap, blacks and whites. I mean, this is, this is an issue where America's kind of coming to a reconciliation, I think, of all of their past misdeeds. Which is, you know, kind of what I, what I was kind of referencing, you know, I think, you know, over the last 10 years, we moved extremely fast. And, you know, you also had a um, more liberal government who, you know, accelerated that, which is a great thing. But then when you, then when, you know, Trump comes in and then, you know, you can see all of the people who really weren't ready to jump on, you know, on board with everything that was going on. And so I think these next four to eight years is going to be a slow progression to kind of get everybody on the same way. Yeah, we need all of the religious right to be like, on the pro-gay train and just well, unite against the billionaires. Everyone just needs to unite. That's my posi- a position. But the, yeah, you know the problem that the problem that you're seeing now is that yeah. So most people might accept the gay aspect, but now, so where can we go from there? How do we do something from there? And then they they jump on the transphobia train. Ah, so and, yeah, the the trans issue, and for sure, and is you have big one, and you have an even more marginalized community with inside the gay community who, you know, still people struggle to, you know, make sense of. Oh yeah, internally. well, a lot of conservatives, I'll tell you honestly, think that it's mental illness. Yeah, and 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 so now you have this big push with all, you know, with all of the conservatives of banning tra- trans athletes and things like that. And, you know, they're, they're jumping on the wagon of not allowing kids and teenagers who uh, identify as trans to get medical help. You know, that's the big issue right now because it's an easy one to target. Of course it is. Boys being girls and girls being boys, that's going to piss everyone off. It's an easy it's one really to target. It's a really good wedge topic. I mean... So until you... So that's, you know, now they... they you know, you have all the conservatives saying, oh, we don't care about the gay net, it's this. This yeah, is what yeah. we don't care about. Well, and I think that that is because, look, people want to be angry about something, you know, whatever it is. It's an easy one. It's, that's a good one to pick because it's like, from their perspective, they're just, they're really just, they're like, well, we don't want biological males who are on the uh, transitioning genders to be able to compete, you know, at the same level or whatever. But the fact that we have politicians trying to keep people out of bathrooms and stuff yeah. is asinine to yeah. me. Like, I think that that's one argument to be made, you know, is, is if they're like, I think that we should acknowledge there are biological differences between men and women. And if we don't, it's hard to have any sort of like common ground. Right. Like, so, but I do believe that if, if sex is biological, gender is definitely uh, cultural and it can be a spectrum because it's obvious that for some people, they don't want to be a boy if they're a boy or they don't want to be a girl if they're a girl. And I, and I, for myself, have tried to put myself in that person's shoes. Like I know a great artist out of Charleston, South Carolina, and her name is Hunter Parks. And, um, she is a trans uh, artist, and she has a great band called She Returns From War, but she's in the South. She's in a conservative area, and, um, and like, she, she chooses to, you know, live in this identity and put out this music, and it's truly helped me. Like, just meeting her was, like, incredible. It was the first trans person I'd ever met in person, and it really needed, like, I needed to be able to understand at least their position, which is... 
in their minds, they truly just don't want to be like, they don't feel like a, a boy or a girl. Yeah. And I completely can see how that would be the case, like for some people. And problem is, is that there, that's a small minority, a very small minority of people. Like even within the gay community, I think it's like 1%, right? Yeah, it's really small. So, but the fact that there's so much attention brought to such a small subset of people is what's really interesting to me. Like, why yeah. are people so angry about 0.1%, 0.001% of the population being like this? Because it's an easy target. Yeah. It really is. Um, you know, living in New York City helped me helped me come to terms with, you know, myself, but it also broadened my eyes to all the different spectrums that there are in the gay world, you know, that, you know, you had no idea of. And, and trans... Tra- being a transsexual and things like that are, you know, even, even in the gay world, it's hard sometimes for people to understand because you don't feel that You're not that way. Right. But, but because I know how I feel and how I know I was born that way. So take, take me back. Like when did you grew up in like Arkansas, right? You're a kid. I mean, when did you know you were gay? Probably came to terms with it in high school. Okay. Um, but no inklings like before that, like in the locker room in middle school or whatever? You know, I, th- I associate that I had these, what I would say would be man crushes, you know? Like oh, I had yeah. like a okay. guy that I would look up to that I would just think was so cool and whatnot. So and did I, you have like girlfriends though and stuff? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. I sure did. Yeah. Sure did. And then, you know, high school, I, I knew in high school, but I was living the quintessential high school experience, you know, president of the school, blah, 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 had all the friends. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this aside until college. And mm-hmm. then when I get to college, then I'll come out and do all that stuff. So that's kind of what I did. Well, you went to the right school. Yeah. I mean, we had a saying at, at NYU, it was gay by May. Yeah. And, you know, NYU is 60%, um, it was like 60, 40, 60 girls, 40% guys and of that 40 percent of guys i would say 60 plus percent were gay what yeah it's it's insane <laughs> most 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 people who go to nyu most guys who go to nyu are are, are a, a large portion of them are gay okay so then did you ever like did you catch any flack from your parents or like how do they feel about it uh or your tough. family you know stuff because they're conservative i imagine i mean if they're from no Mar- you know they you know they've evolved well, or were they you know and then they they changed you know we grew up in a small town so yeah they're you know my father you know is a farmer and you know he the biggest redneck you'll ever meet but you know he come he came to new york city a few times and you know i showed him around and then you know when i came out it was it was tough but um the night that I came out to him, uh, it was my graduation of college, and he, uh, and I was dating some guy, and he, and I told him, and you know, it was a big brouhaha, and then, and then after we kind of talked or whatnot, he said, "Let me, let me go, uh, bring me to, to your boyfriend." I didn't say boyfriend, but uh, he said, "Bring me, bring me to your, to your, to Scott," and I go, "Okay." And he uh, goes, and at this point, he's my my boyfriend was already inside, like 
thinking I'm about to get like, <laughs> you know, beat up or something. And um, so he comes down um, onto the stoop and my dad looks at him and he goes, don't think I won't be on this next plane up here if you ever fuck with my son. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So there you go. That's the last we ever talked about it. And, and you know, um, so he, so like you wouldn't go into your relationships with your dad. Like if like you are having like drama or whatever, it's just not something that y'all. Yeah. We don't, you know, and, and now, now of course we, you know, I talk, we talk about things and you know, he's going to come, you know, we're getting, he's going to come when we get married and, um, oh, so you're getting married. Well, we, we got we technically already got married in February, oh, but um, but our real wedding had to get postponed because of COVID. COVID yeah. So um, it's in it's in Mexico, and they're gonna come and Bo, gonna come Bo's and partner bowls on the other team. They don't even bowl on the same team together. <laughs> it's got to be competitive. Right? <laughs> I love how you guys set up competitiveness. So, oh, uh, you guys. Um, okay, well, that's amazing. Then that's a, that's a very interesting perspective. So, like, what? You know, have you ever faced any sort of like overt, blatant discrimination? I mean, growing up, no, yeah. I mean, give me like, because I mean, there's there's gonna be a hard reconciliation for people that have treated y'all's community with such disdain. I think um, just simply because I think y'all won, and it's important that y'all won because to me, love is love, and right. and uh, my ignorance. Growing up, like I had a friend, right? And he, uh, when I got to college, I'm he was in my fraternity. Our fraternity, low key, was like the gay fraternity at Baylor. Well, I just didn't know that until after I joined. <laughs> Half of us were like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> but uh, it, it ended up being more that way after. Like it, it's so funny um, because like I had friends who were not out, but like my big in my fraternity I, I asked him about him and he was like oh yeah he's definitely gay he just he can't come out because it's Baylor you know mm -hmm. and at a at a small private college I there were a lot of gay people there and they were all closeted when I was there you know and so this was even this is this is like mid early 2000s so I mean it's not that far away where this was occurring you know where there were groups that would come speak on campus for pro-gay rights and they would like keep them off campus yeah it's like 2007 well, that's why, like, I could have gotten a full ride to Florida State, U University of Florida, and things like that, and that would have been great. They're great schools, but I knew if I went to a state school, I would, it would just be an extension of high school for me, mm. which was fun, and I loved it, but I wouldn't, probably wouldn't come, I wouldn't have come out as early, you know, I would have done all that, you know? Yeah. So, for me personally, the New York was NYU what? was the right move. Yeah, yeah, because it just fit your personality a little yeah. better and allowed you to be yourself. Like, you know, when you go, once you were finally like out, how like, can you explain to people how that feels? Like, because I don't like I want to bring straight people into the mind of like someone who's had to live with something that they think is like they're stigmatized for it. You know what I mean? And then. I'm just so happy now that kids can be out so much earlier, you know, than when we were kids because it's like accepted and, and there's not any of that stigma that's thrown in your face anymore as much. Well, you just feel like, you know, you feel like a weight is lifted off of you when you're, when you don't have to hide or, you know, yeah. or, or whatever, you know, it's kind of what I was saying earlier. If you can bring your whole self to work, it's completely different than you coming to work and having to put up a front you know, sure. of who you are. And then yeah. you get two different, you get two different work styles. One, 
you know, you're always going to do, you, you know, you might always do your job, but you have one where you're, you, you're walled up and not, you know, able to be yourself. And you have one where you're yourself and you have much more, you know, fluidity with your Yeah, and then, then you can, I feel like that if you, once you have the fluidity, it makes life a little bit easier. Yeah, you know? for sure. And so, like, when I met, and that was, like, when I wanted to go back on, is I, my friend that was gay in college but didn't come out until after college, you know, it was hard because I would, like, make jokes, you know? <laughs> I would, like, I would be like, why are you acting so gay, you know? And, like, I, and it was hard 10 years later to go back and look at asshole 21-year-old you and be like, you probably made this guy really feel shitty, you know? And so I had to go back and be like, dude, I'm so sorry. And he's like, don't worry about it. Like, you know, I was confused, but I was like, dude, I just didn't want you to think that I, you know. You know, a lot of times I always felt, you know, and what's parts of the reason that it's so hard to come out a lot of times is because you just don't want them to think differently of you. Yeah. And, and you know, you're friends with them because you're, they're your friends. And, you know, if they choose not to be your friend because of that, that's one thing. And that's what you don't want, right? Sure. You don't want to lose a friend because you're gay. Yeah. You know, and I think that, I guess that would be the most terrifying if I were gay, you know. I'd but it happens. Like, yeah, I imagine. It has to happen. And it's happening now with politics, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. You pick your own adventure to be divided over. But the reason I wanted to have you on was to show that, you know, I think these conversations are important. Like, it's time to have a meeting of the minds for for people that are stuck in ignorance, you yeah. know? Um, and I don't necessarily think that those people listen to this show. I wish they did. But, uh, you know, I think that at least getting all perspectives out there, like, I'm going to do an episode like this with a black attorney, and I'm going to go over race, you know, and all that. And so I just want to make sure that, all the angles are getting hit. You know, it's important for America to wake up and say, hey, look, you know, we got to evolve because this is a melting pot of a country. We've got every religion, every political viewpoint. You can worship a cat as your God mm -hmm. here, you know? And so I think at least for America, the gay movement was so important just to help it bring it in worldwide. I mean, because do you think that it was more accepted in the world or less before it became mainstream in America? No, well, less. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. So then America kind of led the way. No. Or they were behind. I think we're behind. Right. And behind Europe. Sure, obviously. I would say. But um, we left there because they were into all that kinky shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think we've caught up quickly. Sure. And I think that's good. I mean, it has to be. Like, when the Supreme Court finally made gay marriage legal, you know, that was, what, 2014? Um, 2015, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then now, the, that was just the beginning of the fight because then you got to fight for the same employment benefits, the same, you know, perks of, of all the things that are married. Yeah. And you had those people, those crazy lunatics in Kentucky trying to, like, keep people from getting married, you know? And that's obviously, thank God that's kind of done, you know? It's fallen out, but mm -hmm. it's now moved into the trans thing, obviously. So I think as long as people are at least open to different viewpoints. I think that in America, we get so walled off in our echo chambers, you know, depending on which groups you follow on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And, um, like, what advice would you have for, say, like, someone who doesn't quite understand, 
You know what I mean? Like, they're, say it's someone that's born in a church, like in the church, like say the, specifically the Christian church, which is, you know, the people that think homosexuality is, is an abomination mm-hmm. and that uh, gay marriage should not be allowed because of the Bible. And how do you, what do you say to those people? You know, I always take the approach of get to know me before you start hating on me, right? If you don't like me because of my personality, that's one thing. But don't automatically not like me just because of, you know, who I choose to sleep with. Sure. Absolutely. I think that's, like, the biggest point is it's none of your fucking business. (laughs) Right. I have noticed that at the bowling alley, you you do your temperature checks, and I very much appreciate that you follow the rules. <laughs> we have to. You don't have to. I don't. <laughs> but yeah, because y'all go in on the side entrance. Y'all sneak in. Oh, man. Yeah, I, uh, I wanted to... Okay, so what do you think is going to be the most important thing for, like, gay people moving forward in America? Ah. I don't, you know, I think, you know, like I said, we've made a lot of progress. Now we have to be able to keep, keep the progress that we have without regressing back into the, you know, into the closet, which I don't, you know, I don't think we will. I think the laws are coming that way. But, you know, just because we've been successful in one area, we still have a lot of work to do into really becoming equal in the eyes of others, you know? Um... It, it just takes time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it doesn't need to be political anymore. <laughs> no. Well, but it's always going to be political. Right? Like, Republicans are anti, Democrats are pro. You know what I mean? And now I'm seeing it swap. <laughs> <laughs> the parties always change every, uh, like, 40 years. I'm seeing people that were hardcore liberals become conservative just over, like, you know, the vaccine. The vaccine is the big one. Yeah. And that is like, uh, like, uh, I think it's so funny. People just being scared of needles. And, uh, that's probably the main reason why people aren't getting it. (laughs) Let's be honest. Everyone's a big pussy because they hate needles. (laughs) Oh, okay, man. Well, I would, I'm going to let you go, Bo. I thank you so much for your time. This is great. Um, I just, I, I really am, I'm trying to get everyone's viewpoint. You know, the purpose of this podcast was to buck the mold and just go like, go after hard hitting questions and like talk with everyone of every, uh, every background so we can get a semblance of what the fuck's going on <laughs> in America. How do we get together? Are you pro billionaires? I want to be a billionaire. <laughs> everyone wants to be a billionaire. That's why they vote Republican. I think, I think Amazon should be taxed. <laughs> so, they are just not enough just not enough right <laughs> okay well Bo um, thank you any farting any farting words no we... I'm good this is great okay. I really enjoyed it thanks for coming on I hope you have you uh, to have you back on soon so we can talk about some just crazy random topics <laughs> sounds good you got any uh, big summer plans we're gonna go to Puerto Vallarta here and oh, getting wet and you wild. know we actually might go to Europe in September we're going to try. You know, Anthony's going to be mad and say, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you, Bo, for, for joining us today. Thank you. Really appreciate your time. I appreciate it. Got a little negative feedback. It appears my HR fact checker needs to be brought into HR. He called me 
uh, I, I believe in episode 16, I was, this episode is all about LGBTQ rights. And so I think it's imperative to go ahead and, you know, take initiative here and call in my HR fact checker into HR. And uh, you called me a homo. What did you mean by that, man? I think everyone has misheard me. I would never, as an HR re representative, say something like that. What I meant to say was hero. You are a hero because anyone who watches that as a man and who is comfortable with the sexuality, regardless of your sexual orientation, should be applauded. I have no watches problem with Watches what? Any... Wait, everyone who watches what? I believe it was Dancing with the Stars or, uh, <laughs> or Australia's Got Talent or... Excuse me, Australian Love Island. Ah, there we go. Yes, you are a hero for watching that unadulterated garbage. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I thought you said. Okay, so everyone, we've cleared that up. Um, it was simply a misstatement. And even if you had said homo, I think you meant homo sapien, didn't you? Yes. Uh, well, technically, you're not your dog, but well, no, but I, you, you didn't mean it. You didn't mean to offend the gay community. And I think I know that because you were telling me the other day, like you were thinking about moving back to California so you could vote for Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, yeah, I am a huge fan of Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, despite her being a malignant narcissist, I think she would be a great leader. I mean, anyone who can just smoke. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, let's back it up. So she's running for governor of California, right? Yes. Has Bobby Newsom been recalled? Gavin Newsom? Oh, yeah, whatever his name is. Uh, no, I think it's underway. A California recall. Don't know how that looks or if it even does work. Is Caitlin running as a Republican or a Democrat? Republican. No, she's not. Yep. She's a real traditional gal. <laughs> Did you know Caitlin is actually against gay marriage? I had heard that. I, I Didn't she mow some people over in her car? <laughs> she did. And this is why I think Allegedly. she's pretty... I think... Not allegedly. <laughs> I think there was a civil suit. Oh, there was a settlement, right? <laughs> yeah. She okay. So wait, killed, why, she, why, I, 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 did you listen to did you listen to Tim Dillon on uh, bringing up her interview this week? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I did, I did, yeah. About how she should run on a platform where they kill homeless people. <laughs> yes, and that she should just get in her car and mow them over from tent camp to tent camp. And that that's how we clean up San Francisco. You know, it would be a bold move. I think given she does the support the police, she says that she every time she sees a police officer on the street, because I'm sure she's out driving everywhere every time, like all the time that she she stops and she tells them that she appreciates their service. So we know she backs <laughs> the blue. Yeah, she said that her her. She, I, I was listening to an interview and uh, on the facts and news interview or whatever. And she was like, Oh yeah. My neighbor was like, Oh, I'm getting out of here. You know, I'm, I'm leaving all there's too many homeless people. I'm like, where do, where do they live? There's no homeless people near where they live. Like surely like isn't LA sectioned off like very well so that all the rich people, you know, like Jimmy Kimmel, Fallon, all the people that are like virtue signalers that cry on TV about how much, struggle everyone has but they go home to their mansions like that's where they live right yeah it, it, to there's no homeless people how, there no no to to afford a home 
first of all, real estate in California is so insanely bloated to get. That's to why the they're moving to live. Texas, dude. Jesus. I know it's great for real estate values and it's uh, going to be terrible yeah, for if you already owned, but terrible for people that are trying to buy. Yeah. <laughs> already lived here like uh, yours truly. So um, that brings me to my next point, which is next week we will be taking a week off. I am moving. Moving is the worst thing in the entire fucking world. And so um, basically it'll be a one week hiatus and we'll be back hopefully with Steve who, uh, is also house shopping, which is why we couldn't cut the interview this week. But I wanted to briefly, uh, Mr. Coyote, after, ha- and you apologized, right? Apologize. I'm sincerely sorry for anyone who thought I would say anything remotely uh, degradatory against the homosexual community. Thank I have nothing to love for our, for our gay brothers and sisters. And we got a little feedback on Boyle's interview. What do you think? Like, so I think. <laughs> People don't really understand that it took like five different calls um, to make that work. And it was like a, a nightmare, which why, which is probably why it didn't flow the best. And also it's three different people on Zoom. Well, he wasn't even on Zoom. He didn't even have it. So he was like calling in to Zoom. Now, I love talking to that dude. I, I feel like we could have talked to him for days. Yeah. He's hilarious. And uh it's interesting, just the power of social media, the fact that I was able to find that guy, reach out to him, and the fact that he's like completely on board with everything that you talk about and everything that I vehemently opposed to as your HR representative. Right, and that's, say that's pretty, I mean, the fact that I've got someone on my team <laughs> all across the world, you know, it's just, it's, it's, uh, and the fact that, you know, no one else feels like us, it's refreshing and uh, it's good to be unique. If you liked uh, the interview with Boyle and you reached out, like saw that his, his podcast, he actually started a Patreon, um, which I believe both. Of oh us yeah. I put that in the of. show notes. Uh, he did. He, and he's got two videos on there. One is him um, on a police interrogation video on mushrooms, which is probably one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in my life. The other is his Indian wedding and the uh, cultural customs that come with that. And it's a real treat. I think it's like 16 bucks for that tier a month. And you get the videos. I was going to watch the videos and then pay him less. What about you? Uh, I'm going to keep paying. <laughs> I'm just got, he, I'm fucking with you, Boyle. I would never do that. Although, although he is an audacious bastard asking for the, uh, what he calls the rich, rich cunt. Yeah. Tier. He put an $80 I, a month tier. I'm like, <laughs> if anyone does that, they are just idiots or like his parents, obviously. Or they just love Boyle, support Boyle. Give him a That's true. I mean, literally, give him like he's a starving comedian in India. All he has is dominoes, guys. Like, if you liked what he had to say, if you checked out his content at Boyle Comedy on Patreon, Spotify, uh, we really appreciate him. You a uh, couple of notes I got was that you talked over me too much, so you need to stop doing that. Yeah, which when you and Mr. Biden um spoke. There wasn't much of that because you and him oh, were yeah. face to face. It's, it's so. the technology issues, um, but you need to be better, sir. You need to you need to evaluate. Okay. I'm sorry. I am your unpaid employee, so I should probably take the notes and run with them. Absolutely uh, agreed. I couldn't agree more. Next topic. There was a tiger loose in Houston. Did you see this? It, uh, gotta love Texas, man. <laughs> that cartel money is on the loose, baby. <laughs> if you want to know 
what is like the real deal behind animal i mean if you follow animal exotic animal trafficking you will find human trafficking and uh most people don't assume that but it's generally they go hand in hand so this dude is out on bail for like the sixth time since 2017 murder charge like he's kept fucking up and going back actually uh I know I, I knew of his attorney, um, which representing him on the murder case, which is unrelated to the fact of the, uh, which is unrelated to the tiger escape. For people who don't know, a tiger named India, it's nine month old, was found like in a neighborhood. The there's a video online basically where the guy's like, "Yo, your tiger's out." And the guy just comes out and casually gets the tiger and puts him back in the house. So they went and arrested him. And I watched the bond hearing video uh personally about the like where they were trying to keep him in jail because of the fact that he was transporting a tiger i, I just I, I there was so much left to be desired in that hearing i saw i i know the criminal defense attorney and he's a uh he's getting paid a lot of money to do this case but if i were him i would have actually demanded to bring in the tiger and have the uh, off-duty cop who made this judgment call to arrest this dude or calling cops to uh, personally identify the tiger in the courtroom, which I think would have been unprecedented. Or call the tiger as a witness. <laughs> yeah, I, like I call Tony the tiger, your honor. And uh, we're going to need to hear from him because I don't even know if this is actually the real tiger. I don't even know if this is the same tiger that was on the neighborhood. And I was thinking about that as a great potential argument. The judge eventually gave him like $350,000 bail. He made it because this guy is connected. Anyone in the exotic animal game, pretty connected guys. Uh, other than that, oh, did you see that the conspiracy theorists were proven right by the uh, intelligence communities looking into the coronavirus origin lab leak? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That hasn't been confirmed yet. <laughs> Mr. Oh, Mr. excuse Lonnie. me. Yes, excuse me, though. That's that's absolutely correct. We do not have any confirmation, of course, that this did not start in nature. Um, and it definitely did not uh, come out of a lab that, you know, Dr. Fauci just threw a couple bones at just to research, see what was up. You know, might as well. It was like crossing your T's and dotting your I's. And so he's you know, Rand Paul hits him with the receipts and he's like, oh, COVID is over. The CDC, I think the day after Rand Paul did that, lifts the mask mandate. There's still masks everywhere. So it makes me know that this is a mass psychosis. It's not about a pandemic. I mean, it's truly um, a psychological operation at this point, like 100%. There is no doubt that that there is a virus and it is something bad out there. Um, but the fact that we're still shut down 13 months later, I think if you weren't, if you weren't questioning anything like in December, January, February, or maybe even like last month, now we're basically the, 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 the executive branch is holding the entire country hostage until they get a certain, I don't even want to say the word gene therapy rate, uh, conversion rate. You know, you got the gene therapy, didn't you? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, Any side effects? I do, actually. Uh, no, you don't, dude. You don't, because I, this is going to get us banned. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Don't I, say it. You got to, like, we are going to need to cover ourselves here. Um, okay. So this is, uh, could be anecdotal because, 
I can't, it could be causal. It could just be coincidence. So we don't know. That's the HR well, representative. I have to say that I don't know. Skeptic However, in me says that whatever it is, anything that happens to you is basically going to be a result of like a rusty needle just based on your past. So you're not going to be a good case for like an adverse reaction kind of guy. Uh, no, they'll, they'll, they'll throw my case out pretty quickly when they're like, has <laughs> it's he definitely going to be, uh, it like... could be, was it the vaccine or did he snort cocaine off the ground multiple times? Uh, I mean, yes, <laughs> it could be both, honestly. And like the cause of death, I would prefer to be the latter, but, um, you know, obviously if it's the former, there's never going to be, uh, an investigation. So, you're my guinea pig, honestly. I'm just watching you to see what happens. If your skin starts glowing or whatever, I'll know. Well, no, no, Did you see no the magnets thing? That the girls that are putting magnets like on their arms and where they're t- on, like their noses. Yeah, that's. Uh, am I allowed to say retarded? I can't say homophobic. Uh, I, I said it once, <laughs> but I I think it's all about context. Okay. Um, uh, well, that's idiotic. So you think it's a psyop? <laughs> I think that is, I, I, I don't believe that magnets are sticking to people's arms. I think it's the same lines yeah. as the 5G stuff so that people, yeah. I think that that was thrown out there like the original Bill Gates 5G stuff so that everyone who got their vaccine made a Microsoft joke. But in reality, they have no idea if they should be laughing or not. Um, <laughs> you know, you'll notice in a year if they're laughing about making all those Microsoft jokes because Bill Gates is about to get fucking tossed under the bus. If you like the media is yeah. trying to turn on him, which is interesting to me. It means I think that honestly, like if all of this fear about the coronavirus is being quelled, like Texas is and Florida are wide open and there's been massive fucking uh super spreader events every weekend okay in like all the major cities for the last two months and nothing has happened here so anyone who still like believes that this is for safety and not just strictly authoritarian nightmare dystopia uh i don't know what to tell you you're you don't listen to this i guess you know and if you do like anyone that's a traditional liberal who voted for biden should be like embarrassed for their vote at this point. And if you're not, I mean, you're really doing yourself a disservice by justifying a ton of different reasons to uh, pat yourself on the back after the last six months. I mean, Jesus Christ, Trump was bad, but look, the mean tweets, I was making money at least. And, you know, he fucking offended people, but he wasn't actively destroying the country. a daily basis which is what i'm like seeing out of these tyrants that have been in office for 40 plus years that these people are like just letting them do it you know like they love it i think it's secretly inside everyone who who wants like vaccine passports who wants masks they want it all they want to keep it going forever like those people are all like smug rich i don't want to call names but like the media clearly like the cdc <laughs> anybody that still believes this bullshit like i don't know it's people that are older i've found but also like i know a couple people that still they'll be like yeah you know i'll ask them i'll be like so what do you why do you think they're not covering the epstein story you know i'll ask all my like liberal friends why aren't they covering epstein why aren't they covering bill gates's connection to epstein and they're all like because there's a big conspiracy at the top to keep them protected and i'm like okay so who are those people and they're like, well, the media, 
And I said, but you believe the media about everything that has to do with coronavirus. Why aren't you believing? Like, why are you thinking that there's a conspiracy for them? And they just were like, well, because obviously the, the, uh, there's a trial that Gislaine uh, is still in custody, uh, you know? And then I'm like, yo, you guys just fucking lost, man. I, if you don't see the, the clear divide and conquer, you know, Israel, Palestine, that's not even the news anymore. It was like over and done with, oh, just mass casualties on to the next thing. And it's, it's fucking crazy out there right now. Like the news is so twisted that there's, you don't know, you know, like half the country believes one thing and the other half believes the other. And so this has been a perfect operation. Like think about it from a psychological operation perspective these people have made every single person in the world make a choice and like debate on it. And, you know, they, they haven't physically forced it, but if they make it so inconvenient that, you know, it's, they're going to be like, well, it's free market private businesses can do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. But like, I think that honestly, I'm seeing like these lottery giveaways, like the governor of Ohio gave out like a million dollars for people that signed up to get the therapy and <laughs> United gave away five lifetime tickets. I hope their coach for free airline tickets. I'm like, fuck man, I want to just, they're going to make this thing. They're going to try. I don't know. Like we're in the Overton window right now where do you know what that is? Um, jog my memory. I did know what that was at one point, but I think I fried to pay brain cells. It's the, it's it basically breaks down like how governments get things done and what's within levels of acceptableness. Oh um, yeah, I know I know what it is. It, it's basically it's kind of like the uh, the boiling. Uh, it's like the range of policies the pot, like yeah. for politically acceptable to the mainstream population. It's like yeah. called the, it's like the window of discourse. So it goes from the top to the middle, like unthinkable, radical, acceptable, sensible, popular, all the way down to policy. And then underneath that, you know, going up is to more freedom and then down is to less freedom. And I recommend people Google the Overton window so that they can kind of see that companies you'll notice haven't come out and just said, we're not doing them. And that's because they want to, but they've seen the negative like response on social media. It's been a vocal dissent. Project Veritas just revealed that Facebook is in fact like going after people that talk about this. So my uh, conspiracy I was being shadow banned actually has a little weight because I actually saw the breakdown of the algorithms that they use to suppress information about regarding what it is. So basically everything I post, it falls within like the tier two or three of Facebook disinformation, which are literally just screenshots of the CDC and like theirs, which you can't even post on Instagram anymore because they're saying it's misinformation. Yep, that's why I'm here. So anyway, how about those side effects? What, what's going on? So um, I think I told you, like, I, I did get really sick from the second shot, right? But after that, like, I, I noticed this maybe like a week or two after, I have this weird tingling sensation in my upper back that, like, has started to it started and i was like oh i don't know if it was because of my marathon running or like medication or, or something like that but it doesn't make any sense because i didn't like change any medication i was like maybe like when i get off the kratom or whatever will go away but no it, it's just it's gotten it got worse up to a certain extent but it hasn't gone away 
it's like uh you know the feeling like when you like hit your funny bone a little bit just like a weird tingly feeling yeah it's basically just a tingling sensation across the like back of my shoulders and it happened pretty much like a week or two after i got it so oh, good your possession like I, is complete yeah it's great welcome so, to the kraken my friend hopefully it's not some autonomic commune thing or oh no definitely you're not going to get wiped out by the cytokine storm that's coming next year <laughs> That's probably why I started talking over you in the last podcast. I'm probably like having a You got to get your word in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the time is running out for you. I'm just kidding, man. You're going to be fine. Honestly, I don't even think this was the kill shot. I think this was the, uh, this was the compliance um, get a feel for how everyone is because like the amount of side I, I the, out of all the people I've known them gotten it have been fine. So I don't know of anyone um, other than people that have reached out to tell me like they know someone that got fucked up. So like for real, for real. And uh, so I like, I don't have one fucking opinion on it or the other. I, and I don't judge people that have gotten it either. And I'm not like, I, I am kidding about like them being possessed. I don't think any of that's true. Um, it's really good disinformation that, like the intelligence agencies like put out there which is why you hear about 5g bill gates stuff like that that's all already thrown out there just to discredit any sort of real movement or investigation yeah the magnet thing is so ridiculous that they're probably pushing that out there to be like oh like here are these anti-fax idiots this is exactly this is how they and that's dumb the they are that they reason that, that they're doing yeah. it yep and so I think most people can see through that. I mean, anyone who's like educated can probably see through both sides of like, you know, the truth usually falls somewhere in the middle, but unfortunately the truth has been so distorted by the media this entire time that we have no fucking idea what's actually happening. All I know is that inflation's going to skyrocket. Prices are skyrocketing. They already have, there's nowhere. I mean, the real estate market in the South, you better have cash or you're not buying. And it's like, it's fucking crazy out there, but Hey, it is what it is. You know, it's like, you've got half the country fucking it's, it's so weird that it's half and half, but it's also not like it's straight up 50, 50 at this point. And I'm like fucking looking at it and I'm thinking, man, if they try and pit these two crews against each other, uh, it's can get really dicey in, in this country. And I hope that it doesn't go that way. I hope that we just move on you know everyone stops talking kind of it's like stop talking about it it's time to just move on with our lives time to open back up it's time to just fucking rock and roll because the south has already proven they can do it it works and the more everyone stays at home and poor or at least on unemployment like the harder every single day that that we don't get back to work it's going to be even harder to undo all of this like financial economic damage that nobody has even like tasted yet because the pain is coming, man. The max pain from all of the, you know, we printed a third of our money supply last year. Yeah. The, the cost of lumber is triple. I was looking to redo my kitchen. <laughs> Steel, like, lumber, no. food. I mean, every gas, yeah. it's gas. all fucking nuts, man. And I, like, it's truly these politicians, faults and we keep electing them and i'm just sad that people keep picking a side because republicans at this point i haven't gone off on them but the like they they need to literally understand that they're 
hypocrisy and their controlled opposition at this point. Like they, they've got, <laughs> they choose, they pick and choose which issues they want to care about when. And a perfect example was Governor Abbott this week with his abortion bill. And it's like, he wants to tell every like the government, you can't wear a mask. You can't tell me to do this, but also to all women, fuck you. <laughs> the government has a say in this case. Yeah. The abortion thing's crazy. I mean, regardless if you're like, whatever you are, I'm pro-life pro-choice. If you're going to put the window at six weeks pregnant, like I, I, I've been starting to understand about like the windows of pregnancy since my wife's pregnant, six weeks is so insanely early. Lots of women wouldn't even know that they like missed their period by six weeks. Yeah. That's and also, also if you're like, you don't do like genetic testing and stuff like that until around like 12. So like if you have a weeks. horribly, yeah, yeah, 12 weeks. If you have a horribly like misformed baby, like, and you know there's gonna be all these things wrong wrong with it, you're not gonna be able to terminate the pregnancy unless there's like a danger to the mother. So like, it's- Yeah, it's, it's, that's, it's pretty wild. I, I mean, I imagine it's gonna go on appeal. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I was very disappointed personally. Um, I know that some people, and I respect people that feel strongly on this issue that, uh, you know, choose to, uh, you know, state that it's their, it's their religious beliefs. I, I respect that. Um, you know, I have friends that are like, they don't believe in, in abortion under any circumstances and they're still my friends. I still respect them. I don't let them, I don't let that issue just tank any friendship, obviously, because it's such a, it's such a nuanced and hard issue that uh i think it's unwise but people do tribalize themselves on that issue alone especially republicans from the south and that shit and like that until we get them to understand that the government shouldn't have any fucking business in it then there's still going to be the same people that oppose you know, gay people and the 0.0001% of people who are trans. And like those people have to fucking wake up too and understand, uh, no, you voting for Greg Abbott, Dan Patrick types is just going to make sure that you piss off the liberals even more and that your party goes further and further into the shitter. So guys, corporate, thanks for apologizing about your statement and any other final thoughts? Uh, no, not really. It, when are you going uh, out to Cali to campaign for Caitlin? I as as, as soon as she makes it official, baby. <laughs> I, I, I'll hang out with. Do you think Kanye is gonna be behind her? I hope Kanye runs I, as a third party independent. Oh man, what a freaking circus show! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, man. Oh, well, bro. thanks, guys. Uh, and uh, we'll see y'all next time. Any of my first time like LGBTQ listeners or first time listeners at all who may be interested, a buddy of mine who uh, his brother was a kid at Baylor and was in my fraternity actually started a podcast about his experience in coming out. His name is Jack White. His podcast is called Y'all Are Gay. And he's just getting it off the ground. I think he has like five episodes, but he basically is interviewing people about their coming out stories. So to all of my friends out there who are interested in that, please check out his podcast.
And just remember, guys, that America is the literally biggest joke in the entire world right now. So just all you can do is laugh. Keep laughing. And uh, maybe one day you'll cry and then you'll care.